Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Completely Arbitrary. Alex, try that again. It's season two. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Should I zhuzh it up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the show about trees and other such topics. <laughs> too much, Alex. <laughs> Over the top. I'm not doing it a third time. <laughs> All right, you're fine. My name is Alex Croson. I am but one of your hosts alongside... Casey Clapp, the host also... And this is the show about trees and other related such things. I cut you off. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I thought it was funny to do it, though. I think it's appropriate and fits our theme to have the first few seconds of our season two opener be a complete mess. <laughs> Just like every other episode. <laughs> and I'm not editing it out. Because that's just how we roll here. That sounds good. On one of the last season's uh, episodes, uh-huh. that was an apostrophe S. Yes, got it. You uh, you said, I'm going to edit this out. Uh-huh. Guess what you didn't do? Did I not edit it out? No, because I heard it. Was it something shameful and dark? No, it was funny. <laughs> okay. Like you are. <laughs> Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Spring Collection 21. You know what we can start doing now? In like 10 years, we can say, well, back in 21. That's right. <laughs> I'm really excited about that. Like, we haven't been able to do that for 100 years. <laughs> Talk about the year 21 specifically? Well, I guess just any, just once you get to the 20s, like, yeah, you yeah. can't say back in 19. Like, it just doesn't sound near as good. For sure. It doesn't yeah. have that sort of same cadence to exactly. it. Exactly. You're like, well, in 25, I found my first dog, mm-hmm. I don't know, something like that. You know that our first season also took place in 21? Yes, I did. I did. But I didn't quite, I didn't, you know, I, I, yeah, you're hey, right. Hey, have your fun. I'm not here you. to. I'm not here to ruin a fun time. I Yeah, I wouldn't let you ruin a fun time. I don't think you could if you tried. Oh, just, just watch. You always steer into fun. <laughs> I'm like, a, I'm like a, a drunk driver, but instead of steering into traffic, I steer into fun. <laughs> That's not a good example. I don't support drinking and driving. Well, neither even do I. Even if it is into fun. But that would be kind of fun. That was that was not me condoning dr- drunk driving. <laughs> I, I just tried to imagine what that would be, and every scenario came out bad. I think I think it would look like steering into a bouncy house. Yeah, I th- exactly. Which is, I guess, if it's a bouncy house for cars, mm-hmm. that might be kind of fun. Where you're just like, oh, I don't know, I just, just like took a ride over here and I just found myself into this bouncy house. Yeah, that sounds pretty fun. Yeah, maybe if you're ejected from the car into a bouncy house. There we go. Now we're having fun. <laughs> now we're having fun. Casey, how you doing? You uh, you oh, are God. you are back from a two week grueling bike trip. Yes, uh, I, I called it a sojourn. Oh, I had to look it up to make sure I was using the term correctly. You sure are. Thank you. Uh, well, how did it go? Welcome back. Welcome, welcome home. Thank you. I went great. I only fell into one cactus one time. 
<laughs> did you really? Yeah, I did. Jesus. Yeah. Let's see. So me and my good friend Thomas, we went down to uh, the lower Southwest mm-hmm. into the Sedona, Arizona Canyon area. Wow. As well as the Gila River, spelled with a G for those of you who don't know. Okay. And we did two bike packing trips. Are you familiar with bike packing, Alex? I have enough context clues to to get me there. Excellent. Quite literally, you're doing that, bike yes. packing. So you just jam all this gear onto your bike with these fancy little packs. They're not that fancy, but they're sort of fancy. Mm. And then you just cruise down a trail and then you camp. So you're like it's obviously just like backpacking. Sometimes you even have a backpack on, but you can go like 40 miles in a day or more because you're just cruising on bikes going on this back road trails through, you know, National Forest or uh, BLM land, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Mm. It was great. We ended up doing two trips, those two trips, um, two little ones, and then one backpacking trip in a canyon called Coyote Gulch in wow. Colorado. No, geez, Utah. Seen the coyotes? Oh gosh, no, but we saw a little fox. I think it was called a <gasps> kit fox. Cute. Yeah, and it was like running down the trail in front of us, so we kind of stopped, and then we were like, well, it probably just jumped off the trail. <gasps> and then, lo and behold, it popped. It was just walking down the trail like a, a highway. And so I got this nice camera that has all this zoom on it. It's not that nice. Don't get me wrong. It just has zoom on it. Ooh, so, fancy. <laughs> very fancy. <laughs> and then you're just like, yes, there it is. And then we took a picture. That's great. Casey, you know uh, uh, you know my affinity for squirrels. Yes. I have a similar affinity for foxes. Really? Love me a fox. I didn't know that. Yeah, Vivica yeah. A. Uh, Michael J. Always two X's. That's a good call. I think this one you would have liked as well. Cool. Yeah, it was great. And let's see. Yeah, it was. Uh, I fell into a cactus because it was what's called single track riding, mm. where you're basically riding on the Arizona Trail, and it's a hiking trail that bikes are allowed on. And you, if you go. Uh, my friend Thomas was like, this is very unforgiving single track. And I wrote that down in a, a like a journal because I was like, that's a perfect term for it. Mm. You're on a slope and it's like maybe a, a it's, I don't, don't want to say 45 degrees, but it's, it's a super steep slope. If you fall to your left as you're going down the trail, which is downhill, you're on a bike. So you're kind of already catapulting yourself. So if you fall then it's not just that you kind of fall just off trail. You fall like 20 feet down the hillside. What are you doing? Having a blast. It was great. What are you but, doing? But here's the other part. In Arizona, we were in the um, Tonto National Forest, I think. And so there's, uh, I believe it's pronounced, saguaro cactus hmm. everywhere. Those big tall ones that are like classical, like oh, yeah. um, Mexican restaurant kind of things. <laughs> Taco time for those of you in the Great Pacific Northwest. The Waypost. Yeah, here exactly. In yes, thank you. That's it. Mm-hmm. So these big gigantic cactus, um, they're terrifying because you you see them, you're like, oh, those are adorable, and you get close, and they're like 25 feet tall. They're wow. like 18 inches in diameter, spikes from top to bottom, and if you fall, not only would you fall like downhill, but every single bush is covered in thorns and spikes and terrible things and they mm. do not want to have anything to do with you well, so it's very scary that whole experience sounds like your definition of fun and i'm <laughs> glad you did it <laughs> thank you uh speaking of small precious animals yes uh we have a 
tree to talk about today as we do every episode. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> Such a seamless transition. Also a very pokey tree, as it were. Yes, it is quite pokey. Mm-hmm. There are two two connections to make here. Small, cute animals and pokiness, much like a cacti. This is perfect. We Ooh. are talking today about Ook Ook, the monkey puzzle. <laughs> what was that? That's what a monkey says. It does. Monkeys do say that. They say ook ook. They say ook ook. At least in video games. <laughs> I can't speak for real monkeys. Yeah, that's fine. You sh- they can speak themselves, Alex, okay? You know what I like when a monkey, like, he does, like, a monkey will go. <laughs> <laughs> you just get really excited. I feel like apes do that, or like chimpanzees, maybe. Yeah, I do it yeah. too. Yeah, well, you get excited. And then we just, we, <laughs> we, we throw you some acorns or something. Oh, Alex is, Alex is chimping again. Yeah, Alex is chimping. Someone, someone just go open the door so he can run out. <laughs> I run straight to the back fence. <laughs> Climb it, jump into a tree, and then come back down. Oh, Lord. All right, well, we're talking about the monkey puzzle <laughs> we today. We are. The a, monkey puzzle. A much, uh, much requested uh, tree, I think mostly because we promised it in our season one trailer. Whoops. <laughs> and then we never got around to it. <laughs> As part of our season two world tour, we're starting... Where, Casey? South America? We are starting in the mountainous region of Chile. Chile. That's right. With the monkey puzzle. A little bit of Argentina, too. Yes. And now, uh, Portland. But we're not going to talk about that aspect Not yet. Yet. But we will. Yes. The monkey puzzle tree. Aracaria Aracana. Cute. Yes. It's named after the uh, peoples that are down there, actually. And they... uh, This is a great tree, Alex. You've seen it, right? Oh, have I seen it? Oh gosh, I'm sorry. That was I've a seen, silly question. I've seen several. I, I I see these all over Portland, Casey. We're we're in a we're in the midst of a monkey puzzle boom. It's almost. I th- actually, yeah, I was going to come up with a different word, but I was like, actually, boom's a really good word. I'm going to stick with that. Thank you. I have seen. I think recently, I feel like they've popped up, and maybe this is what you're noticing too. Uh-huh. I think they've become fashionable again. They sure have. And that's half the thing that we're going to talk about today is this tree is, it's a it's another living fossil kind of tree, mm-hmm. but after a while, you know, what defines a living fossil? 200 million years, 150 million years, ugh, they're all old. Well, we're going to get into that, but as we do every episode, let us start by imagining that you and I are, you know what? Let's say you and I are in an airplane. All right. Okay. Flying over Chile. And uh, and I'm I'm taking a nap. I just I just spent eight hours playing my Nintendo Switch. <laughs> and you look out the window and you and you and you nudge me and you go, Alex, wake up, wake up. And you go look. And I look out and you and you go look at a herd of monkey puzzles. <laughs> and you're gonna be like, wow. What are we seeing? Let's pretend also that we're up close. All right. So if you are in an airplane flying over the top, it's actually just going to look like a very spaced out conifer forest with these just little like green, almost like, uh, I want to say pyramid, but it's not a pyramid because a pyramid is like, you know, rectangular or something. Uh It's more of like a a flattened cone. Okay. But like a cone is in like the geometric shape, not a a tree cone. I should be specific. Well, in in this case, let's imagine that we're actually walking through the forest. Okay, that's so much easier. I've never flown over this. (laughs) Well, this is what you would see. So first off, you're going to fly over these mountain regions and you're going to say, wow, that doesn't look like a tropical forest. That Mm. looks like a a dark temperate forest in these high er, Andes mountains in South America. Okay. And what's 
what's cool about this is that a lot of people think, oh, South America, tropical. It has just as many different uh, ecosystems and ecotypes as we have up in North America or anywhere else in the world. Okay. If you imagine it, it spans such a huge latitude. And you and I have talked about this now a couple of times where latitude is really where change happens, whereas you go further or closer to the equator. That's when things really become like, what is it? Is it temperate? Is it tropical? And there's like the cancer of tropic and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And so for the um, the Arcaria, the monkey, this specific the monkey puzzle, Arcaria arcana, mm-hmm. it grows in these high mountain regions that are very uh, have a lot of wind and um, moisture that come off of the uh, Pacific Ocean. So again, I don't know if it's quite exactly the orographic effect. It's just a taller mountain range. So as you get taller, everything gets cooler. As it gets cooler, you get more water. As you're way up high in the mountains, it becomes non-tropical anymore, even though it's down in an area where if you go to the low it would be tropical. Interesting. Yes. Okay. So this these would grow on the what the leeward side. Um, I think actually they would just it would be yes the leeward side. Okay. Um, the Which wind, is the side sorry, with the weather. The wind windward side. The windward side. Yes. Okay. Leeward's the opposite side of that. Got it. But the um, yeah they would grow there, but they just kind of grow up in the mountains. It's just kind of like here where if you just go higher in the mountains, there's just more water and it's a little cooler, so you get more trees. Okay. So in this case, there's trees all over the place in this sort of specific region, but there's also um, the there's a desert. I can't remember the name. It's a big famous desert down in um, kind of the tip of South America Hmm. that is um, like in Bolivia. They have that kind of thing. And it is a... um it's it's another one of those kinds of places where it's very arid and dry, and then as you start getting higher up in elevation, this happens in California a lot too. Once you get higher in elevation, the conditions become ripe for trees. There's just more moisture. It's a little cooler. Got to be a little tougher, but that's where you get like some of these old super tough trees, like. The monkey puzzle? Exactly. The Atacama Desert? Yes, I think that's it. Cool. Yeah. So the um, so you're walking through these this mountain, and the first thing that you're going to notice is, A, these trees are huge. Like, they're big, gigantic columns. They're the same single stem as you expect from most conifers, right? Yeah. But instead of being, like, big, gigantic with little teeny tiny leaves, they're big and gigantic with, like, um, bark that kind of gets... It weirdly folded. It looks almost like you take a bunch of pancakes and you smash a bunch of pancakes on top of each other and you go up like a hundred feet and then those pancake pancakes get like gray and hard. Hmm. You get like these almost like like riffles going up the side of the the bark. This was an odd metaphor. I had a lot of pancakes this last uh, over this trip, so it's you, on my mind. You've got pancakes on the brain. <laughs> I got pancakes on the brain. They were delicious. As you started that, I was like. Why pancakes? <laughs> well, if you saw the bark of a younger tree, for sure, and then as it gets older, it starts to split up more vertically and kind of have with weird different shapes. Okay. So it looks a little bit more just like kind of rough bark you'd expect. But on the younger ones, I always imagine like these layers of discs a lot of ways. Interesting. Yeah. I'll trust it you. It does go away, I guess. After uh, uh, th- uh, when it grows up? Yeah, exactly. As it gets larger and bigger, as the furrows start to get more developed. Oh, okay. But the next thing you're going to notice is all over, there's going to be dead needles and things and twigs and branches that have fallen off, and there's going to be live branches up at the top of the tree. Okay. And these live branches are unlike any conifer you've ever seen in your entire life. Yeah. Obviously, you've seen them here. But for those of you who may not be familiar, quickly Google this right now. They have these like 
um, triangularly shaped leaves that pop off and they're spirally arranged around the entire twig mm-hmm. and they look like they are out of some like Dr. Seuss imagination where they are just these little like triangles that pop out and are super sharp and cover the entire thing. Like, um, is it a pangolin? I think it's a pangolin. Oh, yes. That animal that looks <sighs> like it has like these like built in scales slash armor mm-hmm. it looks exactly like that it really but does but a beautiful pale green it's like it's covered in in cool ranch doritos <laughs> it's exactly what it is man that's my favorite kind of dorito I just and i'm gonna stand by it oh you're you're a cool ranch man over uh the what the nacho cheese yeah. or yeah, sweet chili not, is not my cheese wow yeah i'll say that to the day i die cooler ranch best dorito flavor hey i'm with you hey i'm glad to hear it's it my and favorite I, too i knew you I, I knew i liked you we're on the same page dorito wise exactly <laughs> which is a metric that I usually measure most of my friendships on. <laughs> like, what kind of Doritos do you like? It was really great to meet you. <laughs> you but... keep you keep a spreadsheet of who likes what type of Dorito. Yeah, it's a big long spreadsheet. Wow. And when they start bringing out all those other wacky kinds of Doritos, where they're like, "Well, this is like you know grass flavored or whatever," then it was like, "No, if you like those fringe Doritos, you're a fringe friend." Wow. I, I only call you when I'm happen to be in town and I'm already leaving town, so I can be like, "Well, I tried, but you didn't get back to me early." <laughs> So I'm just gonna keep going. I am proud to be a cool ranch friend. Yes, a cool. You're you're one of my cooler ranch friends, actually. <laughs> hey, thanks, guys. <laughs> what were we talking about? Trees. I think we were talking about pancakes <laughs> and pangolins. Yeah. Well, okay. So we were talking about the monkey puzzle tree and the, how their their branches look like pangolin needles. Yes. Pangolin arms. It is tails. Probably the most unique tree that I've seen. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of trees. I'm familiar (laughs) with even fewer. (laughs) Listen, I don't look at trees. I strictly look at the ground. We had 12 episodes in our first season, so I'm familiar with 12 trees. There you go. That works. 13 after today. Well, this is number 13, and you now, I think anyone who sees this tree... As soon as you see it, it sticks in your mind. Like yeah. there's no way you could like even misidentify it. For um, sure. Unless you're in a different part of the world, like in the southern hemisphere, where there's a lot of different Araucaria species in that genus. But they even look completely different. Like their needles are different. The the shape, they're all shaped rather than those like triangle, almost like broadleaf scales. Yeah. They're very interesting. They're extremely unique. And Casey, uh, the monkey puzzle is a conifer. Yes. What a what? A, I don't think I've ever seen a monkey puzzle cone. No, they are dioecious most of the time. So uh, remind me what that means. So you have dioecious and monoecious, and that means that they have male flowers on one or male cones on one plant uh-huh. and female cones on the other plant. That's dioecious. Exactly. So two houses, dioecious, two house. Okay. Versus monoecious, which means you have both flowers on the same tree. But most of the time, they'd still be different. In this case, they're cones, not flowers. So you'd have, um, say, the a true fir in the genus Abies. That'll be monoecious. Have male cones during a certain time of the year, and then the female cones develop over the next fall. They're also dehiscent. The big ones, the females, they fall apart. Dehiscent meaning that they don't stay together. That's right. Like a true fur. Exactly. Yes. Precisely. Okay. So they will or fall true apart. Cedar. Is it cedar? Mm, yes, or? true cedar and true fur. Okay. Look at you. You're 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 just like <laughs> wait, it's like both of these, right? This is season two, Alex. Yeah, season two, Alex, man. Woke. I don't like the direction they took Alex this season. <laughs> oh, we'll revise it. <laughs> I'm like a season eight channel. 
Well, let's see. What else is uh, interesting about this tree? Oh, it keeps its needles, its scale-like needle leaves, mm-hmm. for up to 24 years. Whoa. Yeah. So only, again, we've, I think we brought this up. You have an evergreen plant, right? Yeah. They are evergreen, but it doesn't mean that they keep their leaves forever. They will lose their old leaves after a certain time. So most pines, or at least let's say a lot of the pines over here, they would only keep their needles for maybe three, four, five years. Casey, I also, I want to go back to the cones really yeah, fast. Yeah, go for it. Can you just like talk about the cone and the fruit as well? Oh yeah, they're huge. They are just these big massive cones, like the size of your head, yeah. kind of huge. Yeah. This one, it falls apart and it has these massive big seeds in it and they grow at the end of the leaves and they're just like these massive like miniature basketball size spiky mm-hmm. um, cones that pop out that are bright kind of yellowish orange and if you can find one like laying on the ground, that's great, but you don't want to be underneath one when it comes down on top of you. That thing will kill you. It'll hurt quite a bit. They also have kind of fleshy-looking bracts. Yeah, they kind of look like they do, and I don't. I'm not familiar with them. Like I, like you, I actually have not actually found one. Uh, I don't have one in my collection because they're they fall apart, and most of the time they would be planting uh, most likely a male cultivar, so it only has little male cones, and it doesn't have the big gigantic female cones. Oh, kind of like the ginkgo. Where, I was gonna. Yeah, Sorry, I stole your thunder. No, it's good. I like I like making this connection, like choosing to plant one sex of a tree because of you a you don't want to get hit in the head with one of these things. Exactly. And B uh for the other for the other one uh you know, you don't want vomit smell all over your backyard. Well, come on. You know, it's not that bad, is it? Some people don't want vomit smell. Yeah. Well, you're exactly right. And if you choose for the male trees, then you're just going to get the pollen. So you get your other problems. If you're allergic to it, then you're going to get a bunch of pollen. The female trees don't have pollen. Nobody's actually allergic to fruit. This is actually something that's come up. Are you familiar with cottonwoods? Yeah, yeah. So everyone sees, for those of you who don't know, they're these big poplar kinds of trees, and they push out these, uh, their fruit is like these little puffs of cotton with a little seed on the inside. And it just blankets the area in late June and uh, July, early July some places. And everyone's like, oh, I'm so allergic to that. And it's like, no, you're not. That is the fruit. You are allergic to the pollen. The pollen is what was released way before by that tree. So you're probably allergic to some other pollen-producing plant out there. Grass is a perfect example. You cannot be allergic to fruit? I don't want to say that 100% because I'm sure there's going to be someone. But this is like... <laughs> this is like um, uh, pollen allergies kind of thing where okay. you know like if you eat fruit and like you're allergic to it yeah. then you can like break out or have a reaction uh-huh. this is like there's just pollen in the air and it happens to be at the same time that this uh, the fruit of the cottonwood I which see. is this little seed with this fuzzy cloud around it so you would look at it and think you were allergic to the cloud yes uh, but, but you are not interesting yeah it's probably grass most of the time it's grass huh interesting and during the winter time if someone's like in like february and they're like man why am i like all of my allergies acting acting up right now a huge amount of conifers actually open the, and produce start producing pollen like february and march really yeah so a lot of people like it's super cold there's not a lot going on and then you get like the incense cedars just like 
raining down pollen. And everyone's like, why Why does this happen? Interesting. Yeah. So the uh, poor cottonwood gets vilified when really it's a, it's a, it's just doing its thing. Uh, yeah. It well, had nothing to do with your problems at that point in time. We'll have to cover the cottonwood at some point. Make, oh, a, make yeah. a public apology to it. <laughs> I love that idea. Casey, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk more monkey puzzle. Yes. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we are talking the monkey puzzle. Casey Clapp, take it away. Here is the exciting thing. It's not that exciting. I'm always excited about trees, obviously. But this tree, the monkey puzzle, it has such a storied history. And usually, I know we try to like, you know, bring in some fascinating, interesting thing. I just want to talk about this tree and its wacky, interesting sort of history in three different ways. I would love that. Okay. The first way is the history, an ecological history of Araucaria. Mm. I'll keep this succinct because I know when I talk too long about tech, plate tectonics, every now and then I have to go get a lasso and pull you back into the room. <laughs> really, I didn't, really I didn't quick, bring my rope this time. <laughs> really quickly. You say ecological? Yes. Can you, <laughs> like, 101 in one sentence, define ecology for me? Oh, sure. Um, ecology would be the study of the habitats where things live and their interactions. Got it. Cool. All right. I want someone to check that because I just like thought and I was like, okay, I think this is it. Should we ask our friend Ms. Google? No, actually, I don't want to. No, okay. I, want, I, I want to live with that. Oh, and then okay. I want someone who is an ecologist to either say, yeah. Or, mm, no, not quite. Write to a 10,000-word uh, email about would, yes, why you were wrong. Exactly. I, I would prefer that. Um, yeah, so basically that's what ecology is, how okay. things grow, how they interact. I think um, it. it's like it also comes from the same terms like environment and um, ecotype and these kinds of things. I see. Um, but basically the idea would be um, in terms of an ecological history, it's more of a natural history. Like how did the tree come to grow and be where it is now? And where's all of its friends? Who did it grow up with? And where are they now? And how did they get there? Real quick, because I don't have time to give you all all the information on it. However, um, are you familiar with, I think we were talking about the ginkgo Mm -hmm. quite a long time ago. And we were discussing, I use the term gondwana. Yes. And I actually meant Pangea. Yes, but now... I mean Gondwana. <laughs> so Pangaea was the uh, the big land mass. It was just all the land in the world was all mashed together on this one sort of space, right. like several million years ago. Then over time, it split more or less into two distinct gigantic land masses. Okay. 
that distinct landmass was, or those distinct landmasses mm-hmm. were Laurasia, which was the top, and then Gondwana, which was the bottom. Got it. Gondwana had Australia, Antarctica, Africa, South America. Okay. And this isn't perfect because they were so different back then. You can't really, I mean, some places didn't exist and literally came up from the earth. Then you had Laurasia, which was like Russia and Europe and some of North America. Okay. So again, very, very broad specifics here. Um, But overall, as those two kind of split north and south, they started to develop only in those regions. So you started to get entire floras and faunas that would only be isolated in the south and only be isolated in the north. Okay. So for instance, uh, pine trees are mostly only in the northern hemisphere. Junipers, mostly in the northern hemisphere. Almost not entirely because there's always some amount of change, but a lot of different things in the pine family maintained in the north and developed in the northern hemisphere. Um, but in the south, there were certain things like nothophagus, which is called the, um, uh, it's a kind of fake beech tree. Hmm. And basically they called it um, the southern beech. And it was like, well, wait, it's, I mean, it's really closely related, but at some point years and millions and millions of years ago, these two genealogies split and you had the southern beaches and what we just call the beaches. And there is the Arcaria kind of did the same thing where there was a little bit of Arcaria in the Northern Hemisphere at one point. That disappeared. Whatever happened, who knows? But then you had Arcaria that just stayed like the Southern beaches and a lot of different cypresses and a lot of other tropical plants. They just stayed in the Southern Hemisphere, developed down there, never bothered to come North again. Just Hmm. like a bunch of things, junipers, they didn't just never decided to go down South most likely because the tropics existed. So as soon as you were really good at living in the southern or the northern edges of the southern and northern hemisphere, where it's really cold most of the time, there's a lot of seasonality. Mm -hmm. As soon as you started trying to colonize north or south towards the equator, once you get to the equator, you're dealing with plants that can grow all year round, every single day, they never stop. So they're going to outcompete the heck out of you. Right. You know? Because that's their territory. They know how to live there. Exactly. And competition is fierce in the tropics. It's so fierce because everything can grow all the time. So it's kind of like our modern economy where you just, the gas pedal is on. Whoever lets off the gas even a little bit is outcompeted. Wow. That's what it's like in the tropics. So why don't the, why don't the tropical plants move south and north? Because it's too cold for them. And then these other oh. species that are more adapted to kind of grow a little bit slower, a little bit tougher, they have different adaptations. Those plants can outcompete the tropical plants because they're just basically, I would describe it as just a little bit tougher. Okay. So it's just niche development, but instead of niches being like, oh, I grow where there's water, I grow on the upland, this is like, I grow in this ecosystem type, I grow in this ecosystem type, you know, in just different places entirely. So do you think like uh, that song, Welcome to the Jungle, is (laughs) like pretty apt? That is exactly what it is. As soon as you get there, then a monkey swings down and steals your sandwich, and you're like, wow. no, now I can't eat. <laughs> Ooh, yes. What kind of sandwich? Oh, it was. Uh, I was imagining an open-faced salmon sandwich. <laughs> that is so random. So the, the natural history yes. of the Arakaria tree, it was growing down, and it was very well, like it was very well established. It's an old tree. It's been around for like 200 million years, right? But it ended up, as you would know, 
now the southern hemisphere, which used to be this big gigantic landmass called Gondwana, right. has now split into Antarctica. Nothing lives on Antarctica anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has only these very sub uh, areas in the tropics in South America and Africa that are temperate or at really high elevations. Then you have some little islands in between, some spots in New Zealand and Tasmania and Australia. And this other little island called New Caledonia. New Caledonia. That's right. Over on the, I think it's the north, uh, northeastern edge off of Australia in okay. that sort of South Pacific area. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. You're excused. However, this, uh, because it got so split up, this really interesting thing happened that's called adaptive radiation and um, island biogeography. I think we've talked about this a little bit. Maybe. It sounds familiar. Well, basically, the idea is that you have these islands um, of populations of plants, the Aracaria. At one point, there was just an Aracaria. There was maybe, you know, a couple different species. Those got split up. And they got left in Shanghai on, on an island. Okay. In a literal and figurative sense. Imagine like an island being like, um, I'm at the top of a mountain that's 11,000 feet. The next closest 11,000 foot peak is 100 miles away. Mm-hmm. Those are two islands in terms of the ecosystem type. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, because they're like... Uh uh, elevation wise, they're, they're yes, equal. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they're at the same elevation, the same latitude, more or less. They're not far away, but in order to get one, you have to go down to a completely different mm-hmm. ecosystem type and then go back up okay. similar to a literal Island where in order to get from this Island, you have to go into this other ecosystem called the ocean and then come back up to the top. Okay. So the next Island. So in this case, you have two different fun things that happen. One is that you get these um, these islands where these populations exist. They're not sharing genetic material with anybody else except themselves. Yes. And then, so you get these really weird adaptations that start to happen because of weird different influxes and changes in pressures for um, selective evolutionary things. Blah, 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 blah. Can you do me a favor, Case? Can you turn that lamp on? This lamp? Yeah. I can't see your face worth shit. There we go. Yeah, how's that look? Now I can see that handsome mug. That's right. I'm growing my facial hair out. <laughs> it looks good. Thank you. Uh, so they're very, they're kind of uh, I, I equate this to like Targaryenism. Uh, yes, where yeah. they're just like inbreeding. Yes, that's true. But imagine it's like a clan. So imagine it's more like um, inbreeding of a sustainable population. So it's okay. not inbreeding so much that the genes are like getting worse oh yeah they're just they're just big enough that you can have a or you can breed within this population and still have viable offspring okay but because there's nothing new coming in you only get what you got right there to deal with okay that's your that's your um that's your pot right okay so two things happen one weird stuff we can get into island biogeography bio some other time. We get Thank like you. miniature elephants or the dodo bird, which is like a massive pigeon, you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't fly. Weird stuff happens. But you also get this other thing called adaptive radiation, where you have this one population that basically colonizes an entire island. Let's say New Caledonia. Ooh. Then all of a sudden you get these millions of years worth of evolutionary pressures and specializations where one species will then start to grow in a certain niche and it will get really good at growing there and it will breed with others that got really good at growing in that niche. Then others will grow, uh, let's say, in a bottomland area, on the north side, on the south side, on the top, on the bottom, all over in all these individual places. Throw in another million years worth of time Uh 
then they become their own species. Casey, I'm about to blow your mind. What? Tell me. This sounds a little bit like Darwin's yes? finches. That's it. You I, got it. That's I, exactly it. I got to take a break. Yeah, everyone will be right back. We're back. <laughs> That's exactly it. The, the Darwin's finches are the quintessential, like, archetypal example of this. And again, evolution and new science, there's a lot of nuance to these kinds of things. Yeah. But you're exactly right. One bird, they were all one species at one point. Then one got really good at eating insects. One got really good at eating this specific fruit. One lives at the top of the tree. One lives at the bottom of the Mm -hmm. tree. And then they become individual species specialized in that exact thing. Now, this happened with Araucaria. So you have the monkey puzzle trees, these big famous ones that grow really tall and really big, and they're at the top of this mountain chain in South, uh, South America. Mm-hmm. Then you have these other ones that grow all over these little islands, and New Caledonia is this fascinating area. And it has, I think, like 15 or so different species of Araucaria. In fact, some that they just found as recently as, like, I think in the last 20 or 30 years. Really? Yeah. And they are just, it's its a fascinating thing where you, you don't get the opportunity half the time because we've cut a lot of these things down, uh-huh. but other times because we've kind of explored a lot of the world, and all of a sudden when you find this like perfect example of like the, of evolution in action, and you're like, this is super cool. Yeah, that was actually part, uh, something that came to mind just now when you said they just found some 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. My question was like, how like how did it take that long i'm always amazed when when they're in 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 2020 when somebody's like they found a new uh, uh, species of beetle yeah i'm like well where the fuck has it been like haven't haven't scientists been looking for things like constantly forever totally yeah like how do you how do you find something new that just seems like mind-boggling to me it's, it, it is, and there's two things that I want to add to the act. I'm going to say three things. Okay. One is in New Caledonia, basically it's really rugged in a lot of places, oh, so they just hadn't gone there hard yet. Hard to explore. Yes, but there's also people who don't aren't you know specific botanists, so they wouldn't be going out there looking for this, like, wow, that tree has orange things instead of blue things. Mm. That's, that's new. They just wouldn't notice that. They'd just be like, yeah, that's the one with orange, you know? Oh, okay. So that would be the thing. So as soon as you like have a botanist come in there and they say, actually, no, this is very uniquely different for whatever bot- botanical reason. I see. Uh, but a lot of times, more to your point, um, A, we think like in, say, Oregon, we've had people looking and paying attention, lifting up every rock for decades, centuries. Yeah. But if you go someplace like the tropics, you could lift up every rock and there could be a different species who is specialized to live under each of those rocks. Are you saying that the, I almost said flana. (laughs) Hey, that sounds good. That's a, that's a plant that has evolved into an animal. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking like a living flan. That was my next, that was my next example. (laughs) This one, this flan melted in the middle and then flew away. Um, uh, what was I even going to say? Oh, maybe like the fauna and Wait, what is it? Flora, Flora. and fauna? Yes, are plants like a, and animals. Are more dense in the tropics? Like yeah. there's just more shit happening? But that's because of this competition and this specialization. Okay. Where like there's some ant species that only live within like a nut and that's just what they do. I that's, see. That is, if you want to survive, you have to specialize. I see. Yeah. Interesting. Exactly. So, uh. that, so for beetles, they just find them. And also there's so, so many to where you could look and 
lift every rock, and then it happens to be when you lifted that rock, that beetle just wasn't there at the time. Yeah. There's, I think it's like a Goliath beetle or something. Like it's the, I think the single largest species of beetle that exists. Alex just cringed. <laughs> yeah. It's like, cause I'm holding it up. Like I'm holding an apple. Yeah. They're huge. They Yikes. still don't even know where, like what the grubs of that looks like. Interesting. So yeah. So like, yeah, we know the beetle exists, but we've never found a baby one of them. Huh? So it's it's completely wild. That's half the reason people like save the rainforest. It's because it's like walking into a store, finding one section and identifying a quarter of the things in that store and then burning the rest of the store down. Oh. The grocery store. I'm talking about like Walmart size yeah. of variety. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so that's so back to the Arcaria. Yes. So that was, was that your first, that was the first perspective? The yes. Ecological perspective? The ecological history where okay. you have this, um, this basically you rip it apart and take these populations and leave those populations isolated for a long time and watch what they do. Interesting. And they never went up into the Northern Hemisphere. They just stayed down there. They specialized and they're not extremely common. There's not a lot of species of this uh, in this genus because they're just so old. They just have these remnant uh, isolated populations except on New Caledonia yeah. where it just like went wild. Where the, and, where the fun never ends. Exactly. That's why, man, I want to go there so bad. I think they, <laughs> they're f- the French colony or something. It's the it's the Oaks Park of uh, South America. That's exactly what it is. For those of you who don't know, come to Oregon, Portland, and go to Oaks Park. It's where the fun never ends. Bring your kids. <laughs> okay. Second two histories are somewhat intertwined. Okay. The first is the history with the native peoples down in this area. Yes. And this is something that is really important, and I think that we haven't really touched on it as much as perhaps we could have. Mm-hmm. And so there is, um, it's a specific group of people, and they're called the Pehu, Pe- I suck at spell it, Spanish. Spell it for me, spell it for me. P-E-H-U-E-N-C-H-E-S. Pehuenches. Pehuenche. Pehuenches. Is what I would say. I think that's probably a lot better than I said it. Pehuenche. Well, these are the people, and they actually, they name themselves after the tree, and they call the tree the Pehuen. Yes, I just lost the name of it. But they're people, I'm going to stop trying to say words that I'm clearly unable to say. No, that was part of the, that was in the trailer for season two, is that we're going to attempt every oh, word we can't pronounce. good. Okay, great. I'm glad that we already, I'm... We covered Look at our us. bases, man. Thank you. We saw this coming. My apologies right off the bat. <laughs> but it's native to these uh, this area and these high mountains in the Andes. And of course, there's been native peoples who have lived there for tens of thousands of years. Oh, okay. At least 10,000 years ar- around. Yeah. There weren't people there before that. But um, these people have been a uh, a population that's lived with and around and for and of these trees. Wow. They're, they're a huge staple for them. They have been for like thousands of years. Mm-hmm. They would eat the gigantic seeds that are massive. They say they taste like a uh, a roasted chestnut, in fact. Yeah, so those are the uh, pin- piñones? Yeah, piñones yeah. is how I think they would be. But I guess I don't know how to say Spanish words. I think you did great. Thank you. You, you rolled that in. I took French in high school, hmm. so... Yeah. French and Spanish have a lot of overlap they in a do, lot of ways. Except for the R's. Yeah, so these uh so these trees were really important to these people for thousands of years. They named their tribe. They basically my understanding is the name of their tribe means the people of these trees. The wow. People, you know? Damn. And and it totally makes sense, you know, if this is the boon, you know, a lot of tribes in um the northern 
uh, in North America, they also had trees. The Western Red Cedar is a great example. It was so quintessential to the area. It was so important to their, not only culture, but their well-being. Like mm-hmm. Everything came from these trees in a lot of ways. And not to mention, if you see these things growing out there and you walk up for the first time, you're going to be like, that's a god, clearly. I Look at that thing, you know? Yeah. And also a tree like a buffalo has a lot of different parts that can be used for a lot of different things. Exactly. And if you're a subsistence, subsistence uh, you know, population, you are living off of what you have. You're going to take every advantage of everything that you have. Yeah. But you're also not going to completely destroy it because if you destroy it, you then destroy yourself. Wow. Now, if that's not a lesson for the Western culture, I, yeah, I don't well, know what it is. Good luck getting that one across. <laughs> We're working on it. We love you guys. Thanks. <laughs> Keep trying. Um, so that history is, it's, it's easy to compartmentalize because you can just say, yeah, those people back then, these people still exist. There's still people who, um, if not completely Westernized or they have moved into a modern culture, um, the thing that happened, just like everything in the new world has been colonized and been used and been turned into a different cultural, uh, component in and I mean that in the sense that now and when I was reading uh, reading through some interesting things about this I ran across an article and the article basically gave the history of the the kind of Victorian fashion of this tree the monkey puzzle so the monkey puzzle tree when it was first brought over um, on the uh, was it is Archibald Menzies and Menzies. That's the guy. Yeah. I know Menzies. You know Menzies, another Scottish botanist. Another one of the those Scots, they love their botany. You guys are the best. <laughs> I want to go and just talk botany. I want to go to Edinburgh, uh natural history or not the Royal Garden there. Ugh, it's hey, my dream. If you're if you're a Scottish person listening and you're a botanist, Hi. reach out to us. Well, so Archibald brought this over to uh, the Royal Garden at Kew and all the Botanical Society of Britain and all this stuff with George Vancouver's, I think it's George Vancouver's um, discovery. Quick question yeah. about this expedition. Oh, yeah. Would this sort of expedition be peaceful? You know, I would say probably. I, th- I think the same thing about David Douglas. Like, yeah. I've, I've, I'm kind of a David Douglas stan, but sure. I don't really know that much about him. And I also don't know if he was like cool (laughs) i you know i think that it was there's there's two different things i think it was like depending on what perspective you're on for david douglas and for um archibald menzies they were looking for two things one things that you could sell back in the nursery trade at home okay and two interesting things because they were just like they invented science as we know it today and they're like more give us everything like if you find a plant bring it back because this was also you know they literally were going past the edges of the known map yeah, so, they, so they're like, what's over there? They wouldn't maybe have a lot of reason to pillage and They kill. wouldn't. Archibald Menzies. However, oh the people who funded all this other, like the ship itself, they certainly were looking for resources and looking for colonization and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So there's always going to be a little taint there. That's yeah. just the nature of our world that we live in, I guess. Sure. Um, but they weren't there specifically, like say the conquistadors, they weren't quite doing that at this point. Um, at least the discovery, they were specifically going more or less kind of like surveyors, Hmm. like what's out there and what can we conquer? But they weren't actually going there to conquer. Discovery indeed. Yeah. So, you know, you got two sides of the coin on that, you know, it's, you know. I think that's important to keep in mind. I don't want to like. It is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, so in this case, uh, he brought it back over to the Royal the Royal um, Botanic Society, and they started planting these seeds in London, and then they moved off to Scotland. They planted it all these little estates, and then during like the Victorian era mm-hmm. in uh, England, they were the fashion <laughs> the monkey puzzle everybody wanted a monkey puzzle tree interesting they were like this is such a wacky thing look at how well, look at all these scales wow yeah and then they would plant them all over the place and they would plant them on these big estates and they'd be, you know try to grow them to these grand things and then other people the article said there's a lot of people who were like those trees are so stupid you're just planting in your tiny little villa you know and like giving people like shit because they were like had little tiny yards and they would plant this massive tree in it, <laughs> which I'm all for. What else do you have a yard for? Yeah, those are your those are your people. <laughs> those are my people. Yeah, but they um, but it became like this novelty, Alex, where it was it was almost like look at this wacky new tree from this new world. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I I the dichotomy of that. I don't know. It it, it bother isn't quite the term, but I was just like man. You have one side of this where there's this thousands of years of history um, with this tree as as a part of a people's culture, so much so that they name themselves of the tree, right? And then you have this colonizer thing. It's great that it's in fashion and that people are planting these new cool things, but a bit of me is just like, oh, you guys are just looking at it as a novelty. And it's yeah. kind of like, well, it's not a novelty to those people. I mean, that's, uh, I don't, I, you know, that's, 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 that's textbook, like, Appropriation, uh, European maybe? appropriation. Yeah. Of, it is, yeah. Um, of yeah. the time, it's very strange. But then at the same time, it's kind of what we're doing. We're just talking about all these cool oh, trees yeah. around here. So yeah, fast forward, and all of a sudden, now when we can look back and kind of like acknowledge these things and see them and kind of understand the full concept and the full uh, the full story of these trees and like where they came from, kind of where they're at now. Now they're 100% protected. You cannot in Chile um, cut them down. Good. They're, they're the state or the national tree of Chile. Wow. And they are like strictly protected. Um, we now plant them around and look at them and think, wow, like the... Um, uh, 1905 exposition in Portland. They were um, they had this big, gigantic kind of World's Fair style thing, mm-hmm. and the ambassador from Chile came and brought his, you know, his country's trees over. And now we have that's why we have them planted here in Portland. I see, and have these big things. So you know, if you can if you can acknowledge these things, then see kind of past the those cultural barriers, and then see that they're now also used to like break down cultural barriers and like bring these gifts of these really cool trees across. And then they kind of died out of fashion you know in victorian england and now they're popping back in fashion here in portland and across the west so i don't know it's an interesting thing it's sat on one point at one point but then at the same time i don't know like like we were saying earlier there's two sides to these coins in terms Mm -hmm. of looking at history and if you're able to if you're able to kind of like see them in context and understand them and not appreciate the trees only as these like, you know, fun foreign novelties, but also as these like, you know, revered ancient, like, you know, 200 million years in the making kinds of trees. Yeah. You're just kind of like, yeah, that's a, that's a cool tree. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you've just described how I basically looked at trees always oh. before starting this podcast. Casey. Interesting, Alex. I did not know this. I mean, strictly, strictly uh, aesthetically. You oh, know? I gotcha. Yeah. And then, and then you learn a little something about it, and then you learn a little something about the thing you learned about, like that's cultural context, mm. or it's historical context, or it's ecological context, 
or perhaps nice. the uh, radiation something. <laughs> Adaptive radiation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you go, you like, oh, there's that tree, and then you, it brings up all these thoughts and and uh, and feelings, and yeah, it's it's interesting. Well, that's perfect, and I just have to say that I mean, it makes me happy to hear you say that oh, because well. I think trees are so you know I'm endlessly fascinated by them. Yeah, as not a scientist per se, because I don't really think of myself as a scientist per se, mm. but it is a. I don't know. I'm so curious about the, all these histories and all their interactions with everything. We haven't even talked about the animals that interacted with them. That's another story. Oh, man. Well, speaking of animals, Casey, yes. how did the monkey puzzle get its name? Oh, man. Great question. This was another uh, Victorian England thing where some guy uh, at like a dinner party uh-huh. was messing around with it, and he like touched it, and he's like, oh, that hurts. That would even be a puzzle for a monkey. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Charles, <laughs> sit down. You've had enough to drink. Give me the port. <laughs> yeah, so that was the, he said it would be a, a puzzle for a monkey, and there was no English common name for it, so they called it a monkey puzzle. So as as in, if a monkey tried to climb that tree, he wouldn't know how, because it's so odd. Exactly, yeah. Monkeys are already good at climbing trees. See, now I don't like the name monkey puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> I know, now I just kind of want to call it by its, uh, the, the, um, indigenous name for it oh there you go what was that uh i think it was the yeah pejone pejone i think so yeah well pejon pejon yeah p-e-h-u-e-n pejwen pejwen not huh sorry french pejwen pejwen yeah hey i like that there you go i have to give so much credit to um a lot of places actually australia and new zealand they have done that a lot they said no why are we naming these trees like the you know all these like European names, yes. which you have to say the European names are indigenous in and of themselves. Pine comes from the Latin pinus, which is what they would just call that tree when they were Romans. Sure. So it has that, but that's only Europe, you know? Yeah, yeah, It's yeah, not yeah, necessarily yeah. everywhere else. And so a lot of places are going back. Like we, we changed the name of Mount McKinley back to Denali because we're like, Mount, like, why? Why are we naming it after this president? He never even is in Alaska. Yeah. Yet everyone in the world who's ever lived by this has called it Denali. Well, Casey, I didn't know I was passionate about this until just now. But I, I say, I say, we do this whenever, we're, whenever we can. Well, we'll try. Uh, especially when we're traipsing around the world. On a world tour. Completely season two world tour. Yeah. Casey, I also think that this is a splendid time to give our review of. The pay pay when I think that's great. The funny thing is, we do have an arbitrarily rating podcast, so all these high minded things we say, and we're just like, and now we're going to look at it extremely objectifying. Well, that's sort of we're winking at you know. <laughs> it's the fun of it. We know what we're doing. Remember that guy who emailed us and it was like, "Love your show." But get rid of the rating system. It's demeaning <laughs> and it's pointless. Like it's the entire show. Like that is the reason we're doing this, man. God bless him. Casey, as our resident expert, we will begin with you. Hey, you know what? Let's do a little in case somebody's listening for the first time, season yeah. two. Let's let's recap what we're doing here. Everyone, welcome. Welcome to Completely Arab Cherry. In this show, we choose a tree, and then at the very end of our discussion on it, we ascribe it. Ascribe? Uh, let's go with it. Emboss a, on a, it. A rating. From zero to ten golden cones of honor 
And for season two, we're spelling honor H O N O U R. Oh, whoa, Canadian honor. Uh huh. Okay. Or British, or yeah. I'm sure Australian. Maybe? Probably. Uh, Casey Clapp is our resident expert. We will begin with you. All right, Alex. Welcome. Here's what we're going to talk you about. Just turned it to Jim Carrey. <laughs> I did just a little bit. <laughs> All right. So the monkey puzzle. I love it. I do have to say, I pay also win. what pay when oh pay when yes sorry uh, pay when I love that the um that the tree is a novelty that is half the reason i like it except hmm. when i think of novelty um i don't i don't think of it quite in the same way maybe certain people do that's fine i see it as a specimen tree Okay. And I mean this because if you look at it when it's young, it has like these really, it, it's really kind of leggy where it just is like this long, skinny ropes of, of scales coming out. Yes. As soon as it gets older, it's this big, thick column of wood with this big floppy mop top of like splayed branches and canopy. And I just think that top part is so cool. Mainly, it just looks old, you know? Yeah. It looks like an ancient tree. It looks like an ancient tree. So you have this ancient tree and you have this like specimen planting right in this little tiny villa. You have no room for anything else in your front yard <laughs> and you just have this massive big tree. Yes, if you look at it from one way and you don't like it, you're like, oh, that is just a novelty tree planted in your yard. I'm looking at him like, crush that house, turn that little lot into an arboretum <laughs> and plant a bunch of other South American trees around it. That's the coolest thing. Oh my word. So- Having said that, I love specimen tree plantings where you just give a tree, a, you know, several decades to just become whatever it becomes. You're like a radical arborist. I yeah, yes, that is easy. Um, but I do have to say there are some things that I don't like about this okay. tree, and the main thing is that it's so pokey to climb. Uh, if, you, if you touch that tree, if you even get near it and it touches you, you're just like, oh, oh. Gosh. So it's really intense. It doesn't offer a whole lot of shade. And I have to say, there is a part of me that always loves to have a tree that is not just a thing that's nice. It has to also have something that it's doing, you know? If it's a specimen tree, it is being its specimen. I get it. You're in an arboretum. That's what it's for. Okay. However... There are also good reasons if you're in a big city to plant a big tree that's going to grow out and it's going to shade and it's going to have all these different things, you know, or plant like 16 different trees that all have these weird things that all kind of come together and you get like some flowers over here, some green over here, some great fall color over there, big tree over here, shades here, you know, I think it should have, you know, a little bit of utilitarianness to it. Love that. Yeah. So all that to say, I'm going to have to give this, I think, something like an 8.3. 8.3 golden cones of honor. What do you think? I think that's great. All right, I'm fair. I like that for okay. the for the pay win. Pay win. Casey. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was going to introduce you. I mean, like, what do you think? Oh yeah. As our resident expert on everything else. <laughs> uh, it's true. I am an expert. I have a master's in everything except for dendrology. Exactly, and that's how we came together. Yeah, I said there's a hole missing in my heart. And I immediately threw a cone in it. <laughs> uh, the monkey puzzle, the pay when, I think is a pretty groovy tree. All right. I I like how unique it looks. Mm-hmm. I love an ancient tree. You also know this about me. That is true. I love a living fossil. I think it's cool that the Aracarias are like on their own island doing their own thing. It's kind of like an exclusive club. It's or, pretty cool. Or like it? a dynasty. I think I've mentioned this to you at one point. 
uh, that it reminds me of like the Tenenbaums from Royal Tenenbaums. Yes, yes. It's like they're this like dynastic, like overachieving family mm-hmm. that every member of is like stunningly successful mm-hmm. and cool. Yes, I uh, think it is, especially in their uh, orbit. Yes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I like the monkey puzzle a lot. I, I like seeing them in Portland. You see a lot of them in Portland. More yeah. and more. You see, you're, I'm seeing monkey puzzles, not only ones that are like established and like a big specimen tree in a yard, yeah. uh, but also just the other day I saw a baby one in like a big planter. That's adorable, isn't it? It was so cute. Did you it, rub its little cheeks together? <laughs> I, well, I did. I was asked to leave the premises. <laughs> and then I had to go bandage my fingers because <laughs> yes. I cut them. Yeah. You know, I also, I also, I like what you said about it being, um, it's kind of lanky when it's a, when it's a little kid. Yeah. And it reminds me of like, you know, like a puppy kind of like starts their legs start to grow. Oh yeah. And they're sort of like, they're sort of like lanky and rubbery. Mm-hmm. That kind of that kind of reminds me of monkey puzzles. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. Pay win. Excuse me. Um, I'm gonna give the pay win a solid eight point zero. Eight point zero on the money. Eight point zero perfect cones mm. of honor. I think it sounds about right. Yeah. Cool. What a good tree. Nice job, monkey puzzle, Casey. Let's play our very first game of our new season of our show. What game is it? We're going to play a new game here. Okay, okay. It was recommended to this idea was recommended to us by a listener. I believe her name is Trisha. Okay. Thank you, Trisha. Thank you. By the way, if you really want to engage with the show, just send us game ideas because we have like 3 and, and we're, we'll, we'll definitely it. use it. It's going to you'll see Alex's eyes just light up. <laughs> yes, those are my favorite emails. <laughs> I get so excited. Uh, Casey, this game is called Guess Who Tree oh, Edition. Shoot. Okay. I'm going to familiarize, refamiliarize you with the idea of the board, childhood board game Guess Who. Okay. In Guess Who, each of us has a board with a bunch of different little faces, and you choose one face. I think you maybe draw a card. Yeah. And you're trying to guess your opponent's face. Yes. So you might say, okay. and you ask questions, yes or no questions. You might say, does your character wear glasses? Uh-huh. And your opponent says, no, they do not wear glasses. So you put all of your guys down who are wearing glasses. Gotcha. And whoever you're left with at the end of your questions, it's going to be that person. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, YouTube it. <laughs> I want to see like the competitive YouTube uh, guess who. Oh, where they like they they ask and then they like hit a little clock like in chess. Yeah, exactly. You have to you have to guess in thirty seconds. That's great. Yeah. So I am going to pick a tree. I am going to then whisper it into the microphone. Casey, you will take your headphones mm-hmm. off so that you cannot hear the tree in question. I'm going to go in the other room. Okay. Okay. And then you will ask ten yes or no questions. Okay. To correctly identify <laughs> the mystery so tree. <laughs> Casey, please go away. Goodbye. The tree in question is the Norway spruce. Casey, come back. Casey, you've returned to the couch. I have. I'm ready. All right. Guess who? Okay, 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 okay. I, you brought this up to me one time, and I mentally prepared myself for this. Oh. So I'm ready, and I have a technique. Oh, wow. 
I'll explain it to you afterwards All if right. I get it right. If I get it wrong, I won't explain it because okay. then clearly I suck at <laughs> my technique. All right, you have 10 questions. First okay. question, go First ahead. First question, is it a conifer? It is a conifer. <gasps> oh boy. Okay. All That's right. It's a great first question. Thank you. You just you just like you cut your <sighs> options in half. Right off the top. Yep. Okay. Are the cones pendulous? Meaning do they hang down? Great question, Casey. <laughs> and I'm gonna look <laughs> On the internet. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I'm going to start asking you very technical questions and just <laughs> watch you look like a deer in the headlight. <laughs> the, oh, pendulous, like a pendulum. Yes. The cones are pendulous. Okay. Okay. Does, this, that was two, right? That's your. That was your second question. Okay. Does the, do the needles... Do the leaves, are the needles, oh gosh, are the leaves needle-like? The leaves are needle-like. Oh gosh. Okay, so it hangs down. It does this. It goes like, okay. Is it native to the Pacific Northwest? Are there broadleaf conifers? Yeah. The the monkey puzzle. Oh. There you go. Is it native to where now? The Pacific Northwest. I'm sorry. The great Pacific Northwest. Oh. It is not. Oh, okay. Okay, that's four. All right. Are the leaves... You really seem prepared. I'm... Like I said, technique. I'll I'll explain in a second. Does the... Does it grow into a tall tree? Does it grow into a tall tree? Yeah. Meaning, like, is it like, you know, a a 50, 80-foot tall tree, or is it like, you know, a 30-foot tall tree? I see. So a tall tree would be like a, a forested kind of tree rather than like, uh, you know, a just, a, you know, I don't know, a juniper kind of Oh, thing. boy. Well, give it away. I'm, I'm going to say um, this is tough because that's like a little bit subjective, I feel yeah. like, you know. Oh, gosh. But I will yeah. say. It's, it, it, on Guess Who, it'd be like, do they look like they're happy or yeah. are they kind of upset? Are, are, are they suffering from a mental illness? <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say no, they do not grow to be huge tall okay. trees. All right, that helps. That helps. Okay, that's four. Is that four? That was your fifth question. That was my fifth question. Yeah. Oh, I got to keep track. Okay. I'll do it too. All right. And, okay, so the cones do hang down. <laughs> are the needles in bunches of more than one? For the listener, I am Googling Images and Wikipedia. <laughs> More than so one? Yes. So. No. I believe they are individually arranged. Individually arranged. Okay. That was number six. It's a scientific term. All right. So the next question I have is, are the needles very sharp or are they not sharp? I would say... Again, I think this is a little subjective, mm. but you're allowed to ask whatever question you like. Okay. I would say that they're a little sharp. Okay. All right. Um, does it have bluish colored needles? It does not. It does not. Oh, That was your first guess, shoot. I'm assuming. Oh, it was close to a first guess. So are, let's talk it out. What are you What are you thinking right now? Okay, what are, I'll give you my. What are a couple of no no no? What are, what are a couple of your oh. options that you're okay? All right. So 
it's not a pine tree. And if it is a pine tree, it would be a pinion pine. So that's that's a big question. That's mm. going to be out there. That's going to that's going to be there. Uh, if it's not native to the Pacific Northwest, then that narrows down a little bit what kind of tree it can be because we have a lot of crazy things up here. Yeah. So it could be a true fir. Uh, no, sorry, it can't be a true fir or a true cedar because they both have uh, upright growing cones. Yep, exactly. Um, it could be a spruce. It could be a hemlock, and it could be the pinion pine. Uh, and it could also maybe be a larch, potentially. Mm. So the next question I'm going to say is, does it have evergreen needles? It does. All right, that's nine. I have one more question before I have to guess. Now you know it's not a larch. Now I know it's not a larch either. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so these are the things that I'd be thinking of right off the top of my head. I guess I should also wonder, I didn't ask if it's native to North America. And that could throw everything into a huge thing. Is this a Ketolaria? You don't even know what that is. I hope it's not that. Uh, <laughs> Do you want to ask if it's native to North America? Um, yes. It is not. Oh, man. All right, it's a Norway spruce. Casey, you have one. Guess what? who? Tree edition. <laughs> you are joking me. It is a Norway spruce. Alex, you're lying. You just make me feel good. With its pendulous cones and its somewhat sharp needles individually arranged casey you I'm nailed stunned. it i was i i got i i that was a guess casey's jaw unhinged <laughs> from dropping you guys i hope that you were all in as much suspense as i was i could i can't believe that well they knew they probably knew what it was because oh, they, they heard did. me say oh my it. god fun fact about the norway spruce <gasps> Nice job, Casey. I'm there's a weight off my shoulders. It's, it's like <laughs> yeah. you close your eyes and you step into the ocean and there's a there's a rock there that you don't fall through the water and you're like, "Wow, I did it." That's where I'm at. The energy in the room definitely just shifted. <laughs> uh fun fact about the Norway spruce, Casey. Uh, yes. When you and I were first talking about making this podcast, yeah. we did a pilot episode, kind of a prototype episode. Uh-huh. And we recorded two episodes of the Norway Spruce. That is true. And they were bad. They come on. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't great. It was. They were. They were. They were not what we were wanted. And we eventually moved on. Maybe we'll. We will come back to the Norway Spruce. Yeah, for all you Norway Spruce fans, Casey. That was Guess Who Tree Edition. Wow, I'm stressed. Let's move on with that stressful energy to our completely arbitrary Q. And a Casey, this week's question is from listener Lizzie C. Lizzie wrote us this very nice email. Uh, it's a little long, but that's okay. I just don't want to read the entire thing on the air. Okay. But the distillation of Lizzie's question is mm -hmm. this. How do trees grow in such strange places? That is a great question, Lizzie. Yes, Lizzie. Lizzie says... Near Fort Collins, we have a really deep canyon, and there mm. are trees growing in places that they definitely shouldn't be growing in, yeah. like diagonally out of rocks, straddling on the edge of a cliff, or some uh, somehow growing above the tree line. Yes. How are these trees so darn resilient? What's happening here, Casey? Well, Alex and Lizzie and Solo. Yes. It is. is, is it's somewhat simple, but it's also somewhat complex. Oh. Uh as everything is. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, you got so excited for just an easy answer. Yeah, well, here it is. Uh, um, it's honestly, it's not that. It's, it's, an, it's an easy answer in, um, in the way that you have to kind of conceptualize the difference between a, uh, an animal and a plant 
Okay. Where certain plants, uh, rather animals, can walk around. They can choose where they want to live. You know, they, you know, a bird flies around, chooses the best tree, and is like, yeah, this tree rocks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in this tree, build my nest. It's Trees don't have that luxury. Exactly. I guess plants don't have that luxury. But yeah, many plants. Some plants do in the sense that they can like crawl and creep around and like, you know, send out a vine sort of thing to okay. go where they want to go. But that's not quite the same. It's a little cute. Yeah. So a tree or a, you know, any, let's just take trees, for example, because, you know, I you know, not like trees. It is the question. They would grow there because that's where their seed landed. And if you are that seed, you are programmed, so to speak, to grow. So that's what you're going to do. You're going to put every effort you have to live, no matter what, because you get one shot at it. And that shot is wherever you happen to land. Okay. So if you're an oak tree um, and some, you are, there's an oak tree way at the top of this ridge and there's a nice little breeze comes, a little oak uh, acorn falls and hits the ground and it just hits so perfectly and it just starts to roll then it builds up some speed and then it just falls off that canyon side and it lodges itself in a crack that little oak is going to start to grow there if it can get any amount of water any amount of soil so mm. ideally it's going to grow there and there's going to be uh winter is going to come then spring is going to come back and then there's going to be a little bit of water and that oak is going to then or the acorn is going to be like okay it's time to grow and it, it literally will just pop its new little root and its new little shoot out and it will try its best when new roots new shoots the best it will little acorns <laughs> So it's going to try to grow. If it sends that little root down and it finds some soil and it finds some moisture, then it's going to keep growing. It's going to keep growing. Okay. If it doesn't, it's going to die. Okay. So if there is even the slightest opportunity for it to get enough resources, water, soil, nutrients, that kind of thing, to live, it's going to live. And it will send its little root down and it will say, okay, cool, I got some water. I found a little bit of moisture and it's just going to grow towards that moisture. Then the leaves are going to come up. They're going to start to photosynthesize. And then when they start getting some energy, they can start putting that root down a little bit further, find a little bit more water, a little bit more water. And then maybe at the bottom of that water, there's just been thousands and thousands of years of sand particles that have just, uh, uh, I was almost said congealed, but I meant conglomerated. Okay. I don't know. There's a bunch of little sand particles that fell into this little crack where this water is. The water then has made it so you have this nice little moist environment of sand. So there's little bits of nutrients in there that the roots can start to use. So then that acorn's going to survive because it found this little reservoir of uh, minerals and water. So there's like a million things that have to go right. Million, For yeah. a tree to grow out of the side of a rock exactly. face. Exactly, yeah. Okay. And then there's also an opportunity where, um, let's say you have a rock, uh, a rock, and then that rock has soil on the top of it, mm. and a little tree starts growing on top of that rock in that soil. It gets a little bit bigger, and the roots start getting a little bit wider, and then there's just this massive, huge rainstorm that comes. It washes all the soil away, but the roots kept growing down when there was soil, and they put a little bit of roots in the ground on the side of that rock. Ah. Now, it's found the ground, it's found a bunch of moisture, it's good to go. And it's now going to keep growing. And then when you look at it, you're like, how is this tree just growing on the top of this rock? Yeah. It's like, well, when it started to grow, there was soil there. Or when it was so teeny, teeny, tiny, it didn't need that much soil at all. And then it started growing, and it sent some roots down into these little 
cracks and it finds what it needs to sustain it sustain itself. Oh, so when you see a, a tree growing in a crazy place, yeah, it's like yeah, that's what it looks like now, mm-hmm. but it might not have been so such a crazy place to grow exactly a hundred years ago. Yeah, exactly. When like, the tree was just a quarter and a half inch tall, yeah, then it doesn't need a whole bunch of stuff to survive. It just needs that little bit of soil, and then all of a sudden now the tree's you know two feet in diameter on top of this boulder and you're like how did that even exist and it's like well it existed one year at a time for 100 years man that's a nice sentiment too there you go so that's what would happen with a with a tree growing on a canyon wall or if a seed just kind of blows in off the breeze lands in a place it's going to try i've seen this with um there's some uh, maple species the sycamore maple um over here and it is it's a non-native species but it just throws out hundreds of seeds all over the place yeah and you almost see them pop all at once in the early spring and then most of them will die hmm it's only because they just can't get enough nutrients some of them will live and they'll find it but it's just like throw everything you out there or you have out there and then if they've land somewhere, they're going to grow and they're going to survive. It's like a numbers game. You just have to kind of yeah. throw a bunch of shit at the wall. Exactly. And there's some like, you know, acorns and certain things where they just try, they, they give that acorn a bunch of energy. Mm. So it's like, we're going to give you enough energy to produce what you need to produce to find what you get. And that may expand its zone by maybe a foot, maybe six inches. So it can sit, has enough energy to send out a six inch long root. Yeah. Whereas other seeds, they're just like, nope, you got nothing. Interesting. Try your best. And then if you don't land or you don't get the perfect conditions, you're going to die. So some, they put a little bit more energy to give their seeds just a little bit more up, but they produce fewer seeds. Versus a numbers game where they just like throw everything at the wall, whatever sticks sticks, and ideally there's that's good enough. Yeah, some like or don't don't maples because maples have little helicopters, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're like especially good at getting their stuff out there. Yeah, because they don't depend on anything else to get their seeds except yeah. for the wind or to send their seeds and disperse them. Interesting. Yeah, so some it's just two different things. I think there's um, it's like uh, there's. There's two different kinds of reproductive strategies. One is that Mm. where like coral is a great example where it just all at once sends out millions of little polyps into the world and just hopes that some of them survive. And then the counter to that would be like the great blue whale where it puts in years of effort and uh, energy into keeping that one newborn alive. Wow. And so those are the kind of the two big spectrums that you can really, really throw things at. And you see it all over the place. I mean, like mice, where they have a bunch of uh, little animals, they work really hard to keep them good, then they all kind of disperse, and then that's what it is. But plants, mm. they're a little bit different because, of course, they can't make the decision to do this or have that or to sacrifice this or to sacrifice that. Sometimes they do, but that's already when they're alive. When they just land, good luck. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah, great question, Lizzie. Very good question, yeah. And, and a great uh, answer, Casey. Oh, shucks, Alec. You're just buttering me up. <laughs> like a biscuit. Oh, we're going to do another Southern tree. <laughs> well, Casey, we've come to the end of our first episode of our second season of our podcast, oh, Completely Arbitrary. You guys, I hope you liked it. Yeah, me too. And hey, if you have a question about trees, email us at uh, arbitrarypod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at arbitrarypod. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod. Or if you want to support the show even more than listening to it, which we also really appreciate, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash arbitrarypod, where you can become a tree hugger, part of the Arboretum for two bonus episodes a month. 
some fun things happening there. Some fungal things happening there. <laughs> or the Cone of the Month Club, where you receive a unique cone sticker every month with a little info card sent directly to you from yours truly, Alex and Casey. That is true. So far, it's the uh, we got a hemlock and a true fur out That's there. That's right. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. See ya. That was a great ending. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our production consultant is Olivia Frankie. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by The Mini Vandals. Thanks for listening. 